Hello, people of the way. Uh, today is Communion Sunday. Communion Sunday. So if you have your Bible, please open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, before we get started, uh, some uh, uh, things I have to say is uh, if you do not have communion elements, uh, listen to the communion preparation message uh, because we outline uh, 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 procedures in order for uh, preparations for communion. Uh, at any time during this message, any time whatsoever, if you need to get your heart right with the Lord, hit pause and get your heart right with the Lord. You might have to repent. You might have to apologize to another person. Whatever it takes for your heart to be right, uh, do exactly that. Uh, it's very important for all of us, myself included. I never teach like at you. Uh, it's all of us in the same boat. Uh, it's for me to apply in my life as well. So we're in the same boat. It's what we do in order uh, for our hearts to be right before the Lord and for us to continue in purity before the Lord and for the Lord to continue using us, pouring into us so that we can pour into others. Uh, it's very, very, very important, even more so in these last days. Now, I have to say this too. If you're a non-believer, uh, if you're a non-believer and you desire not to be a non-believer anymore, you desire to commit your life to Jesus Christ and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, you hit pause and you listen to a message, how to commit your life to Jesus. And you do exactly that. You commit your life to Jesus Christ and then you come back, you listen, and then we partake of the elements together, communion together. Now, when you do have the com communion elements, hold on to them. We're going to do them together as a church body, but hold on to them. And you, I, I'll say, you know, you know, let's take the cup, let, let's take of uh, the bread, let's take of the cup. I'll say that. So if you, when you have the elements, just hold on to them and, and we'll do it together. Okay. So, uh, but we have a, a little uh, a precursory study uh, on communion Sundays. I have also have to say this too. Uh, now I mentioned if you're a non-believer to become a believer and then also if you're playing games with the lord if you are lukewarm you like to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church don't do that anymore it's not good do not be lukewarm it is not good to be lukewarm jesus christ himself says i wish you were hot or cold but because you are lukewarm i will vomit you out those are his words not mine i'm just the messenger he says you're in my body and if you're lukewarm i'm gonna spew you out of my body vomit you out that's what he says that's the danger behind being lukewarm. And I have to tell you, in my earlier life, and not earlier life, but in my uh, uh, 25 years ago, I was lukewarm. I was lukewarm. And it wasn't good because I had one foot in the world, one foot in the church. So when I say these things, I don't say it just like, you know, hey, don't be like this. I say, hey, don't be like this, but from experience. From experience, it wasn't it wasn't good for me to be like that, and because the Lord brought me out of that, you know, praise praise be to the Lord, uh, because the Lord brought me out of that. So I tell you, don't do like I did, okay? So don't play games with the Lord. So if you're a non-believer, commit your life to Jesus Christ. If you're playing games with the Lord, commit your life to Jesus Christ. Don't play games with them anymore. Uh, we are in the last days. We are in the last days, very uh, uh, treacherous times, perilous times, times of sorrows with plurality. Uh, and it, it, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Nevertheless, we are the remnant. 
we are the remnant. And so we endeavor uh, to grow in Christ. We endeavor, we purpose in our hearts to not only grow in Christ, but to be used by him and to grow in knowledge, to grow in all the gifts that we studied in in, in 1 Corinthians uh, the 12, 13, and 14, all the gifts of the Spirit. These are things that we strive for as we also strive to live peaceably with men. You know, we have to be wise. No stupid. We have to be wise. Okay? And so let's uh, look at chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 now. How many times do you hear us say that, uh, you know, you see this difference in the church in Corinth from our studies in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians? How many times do you hear us stress a lot, probably beyond what is necessary? How many times do you hear us stress the difference between the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, all the way to 12, 13, 14, and in, into 2 Corinthians, we see a picture of the remnant. And when Paul starts to bring up uh, this subject matter of communion and partaking of the elements, he doesn't do so in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, they're babies. They're babies. If you turn with me really quick, you know, you hear me say it all the time, and I reference it quite a bit, and I'm not going to stop, especially in our study through the Corinthian letters. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this, And I, brethren, could not speak to you, could not, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. You look at the deep, deep, deep information and, and of the Lord, but deep information that Paul had. And yet Paul is saying to Christians, to saints, he says, I can't speak to you as to spiritual people. It's a sad state of the church. And it's not like Paul's being mean. You know, it's not like Paul's, you know, oh, I, I don't want to talk to you about deep spiritual things because uh, I'm awesome and you are not. No, it's not like that at all. The problem was the church. The problem was the saints because of uh, they refused to grow. They refused to mature in Christ. And Paul says this in verse 2. He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. You say, wait, that's so mean-spirited. Paul's a shepherd. If Paul's a shepherd, how come he's not giving them solid food? Well, it's not to say that he didn't have that. It's not to say that Paul couldn't speak to them as to spiritual people, but it was reflective of the church, reflective of the saints. I mean, any mom would say, you're stupid if you want to feed a baby a pork chop. If you want to feed feed a, a, a two-month-old baby a beautiful, beautiful, luscious, juicy pork chop and just all the seasonings and it's just exquisite. You'd be a fool. Any mom would say you're stupid because the baby needs milk. You see? Now, babies are beautiful, but refusing to grow and staying a baby, that's ugly. You see? I meant beautiful, beautiful baby in their little diapers. They got their baby clothes. Beautiful, precious. They have their little burps, you know, and it's cute and all these things associated with babies. But then you say that, that you look at that same exact behavior on a 30-year-old and it's gross. It's disgusting. It is nasty because refusal to grow up. But the same thing applies in the faith. 
The exact same thing applies in the faith. And when I say disgusting, it's not like with carnal eyes. It's disgusting because we see the works of the flesh associated with babies and those who refuse to grow up as evidenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And so Paul says, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. That's what he says to the church, you guys, you are still not able to receive it. You almost see his his desire to give it to the saints, but based on their behaviors, and, and, and lack of fruit of the Spirit. You see more fruit of the flesh than you do fruit of the Spirit. Because of that, as a result, remember the Lord is reactionary, so are, so are his servants. Paul could not give them the deep spiritual pork chops, the fat, juicy, succulent, well-seasoned pork chops. It's not that he didn't have them. I say pork chops for a reason. It's not that he didn't have it. He certainly had it as a gift of the Holy Spirit, but the church wasn't ready for it. Why? Because in verse 3, you are still carnal for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You see, mere men. I love that so much because for Christians, for you and me, for the saints, for the uh, hagios, the ecclesia, when we consider, not just consider, when we remember that we will put on immortality in these present corrupt states, we will put on incorruption, provided we abide in Christ. But these are things that we can look forward to putting on corruption. We read passages in the gospel where we'll be like the angels, I don't know what that will look like, you know, the, the wings. I don't know what that will look like at all. But I wonder, I wonder, and I can't wait. But it's almost like, you know, like, you know, you can rip open your flesh and, you, you know, the whole world would have to put on sunglasses because it's too bright. That's when we start thinking in terms of, you know, of, of forward looking to the point of our glorified bodies. Then we'll start to understand it, not just not to say like, wow, look how cool we are, glorified bodies. No, no, nothing like that at all. That's prideful. Pride is of the enemy. But I say that in a sense of humility, but also exuberance, because we can look forward to these things as Christians. Promises of the Lord, which are for you and me, Christians, saints. And these promises of the Lord, it's like, you know, when Paul says you're behaving like mere men. It's like, wait a second, that's that's what the mere mortals behave like. These works of the flesh, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, that's for mere mortals. But for the immortal, that's for mere men, for mere women, that's for the carnal, for the earthly, but we're not of this earth. We're in the earth, but we're not of the earth. You know, we're just passing by, we're just passing through. And we start thinking in terms of eternity and you know not eternity having begun already even though for the saint it's kind of in one regard it's kind of begun because we're born again in christ but in another sense i mean eternity from you know when we take our last breath in this first generation of adam and i speak of the carnal the flesh when we put this off you take your last breath 
And maybe you take your last breath and your brain is still functioning, but it's waning because of the, you know, everything's shutting down. And then there's that moment of like you, that perception of where like, okay, my eyes are closing now and the eyes close, your last breath is done, your heart stops beating and in the flesh, in accordance to Adam, dead, clinically dead. The doctors, you know, would say, okay, wrap it up, you know, send him to the morgue, you know, and call, notify the family. The family can start the burial process, whatever, funeral services, all that. But then immediately upon closing your eyes in the generation of Adam, you also open your eyes in the generation of Christ. You see, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And these things are so incredibly beautiful, but sometimes we forget. We forget, we wrap up, we're wrapped up in these earth suits. And in accordance with these earth suits, we have to deal with you know what's associated with these earth suits, which are not just the things of the flesh but you know the of course the things of the flesh in body but the things of the flesh behaving like mere men behaving like mere women you see and that's a big problem in the church in corinth as evidenced through our studies look at how far we've come through our study through second corinthians and look how far we are and now do we see like, wow, these guys were just babies. Not to be elitist and be like, wow, these guys are babies. And wow, look how mature we are. Look how awesome we are. Remember the humility that's required for the rugby match. If you've been listening for a while, you remember our study through Romans, the rugby match. You know, the rugby match. Those who are mature humble themselves so that the three-year-old can play rugby with us. The four-year-old, the five-year-old can play rugby with us and not get injured. If it if we were prideful, we'd be like, okay, we're we're strapping twenty year olds. We're strong. We got the legs. We got the arms. We got the backs. We got the muscles. We got the necks. We got the everything. And you know, we're gonna play rugby with this four year old, and we're just gonna destroy this guy. He's gonna go to the hospital. No, that's pride. That's pride, and you know, pride among other things. But that's behaving like mere men, mere women. No, we play rugby with the three-year-old with the four-year-old and we have a blast we play rugby with the 80-year-old and we have a blast why because we're a people of the way koinonia the ecclesia the hagios saints i don't care what the pope says you know the the pope they say vicar of christ i say vicar of antichrist very very dangerous times what we see the pope doing you know the bible teaches about the seven hills be cautious be aware of the seven hills be wary of the seven hills what we see today emanating from rome isn't a pretty picture and it's i shouldn't say today read the fox's book of martyrs and you you see everything that the uh, catholic church did to christian saints oh catholicism is christianity that's what the world says but you read the bible catholicism is not christianity now if you're catholic i love you i love you but if you believe in Mary, she's not going to send you to heaven. She'll send you to hell. Straight up. Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through him. His words, not mine. I'm just a messenger. And I, I say this as a former Catholic. So in this regard, I say it from experience as well. I don't say this to hurt you. 
But what we see emanating from Rome is very dangerous for such a time as this, especially with its involvement with uh, 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 biotechnologies, understanding that this false, uh, 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 the false prophet is going to bring about the mark of the beast system in accordance with the working of Satan and the powers and the lying wonders of Satan. For such a time as this, we see all these things converging, you see, for the last day's generation. And it's so beautiful. When I say hagios, I say saints. Now, that used to trip me up as a former Catholic. It's like saints, you know. Only the Pope can make saints. The, 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 these, these, uh, these guys in the higher up, the higher echelon of Catholicism, the, uh, the, 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 the priesthood, the, the, the Pope, only they can do make saints. Then I started to read the Bible. And then I realized, wow, Catholicism is crazy town. It is out to lunch, big time. Especially when you, you started reading uh, uh, First Vatican Council, Second Vatican Council, all kinds of different uh, uh, Catholic doctrines, just just to make sure that okay, you know, make sure, to solidify that yes, in fact, they were in Crazy Town, and based on the Bible, yes, they are in Crazy Town. You see, Mary doesn't save you. Mary can't save you. I love you if you're Catholic. I love you. But Mary cannot save you. You believe in Mary, you trust in Mary, she'll send you to hell. Queen of heaven, they call her. Queen of heaven. It's nothing new. Chaldeans did the same thing. And God's judgment came. And God's judgment will come again. And so we see, when I say saints, you believe in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. You're a saint. You see, the hagios in accordance with the word of God. I don't care what the Pope says. He's, I don't call him vicar of Christ like the world does. I call him vicar of Antichrist. And so we see this beauty. What's, what happens when we mature? What happens when we grow and mature in Christ? And it's so beautiful because all of a sudden we receive these gifts of the Holy Spirit as evidence in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14. We see these beautiful things, the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many times do you also hear us say, most Christians don't make it this far. Most Christians don't make it this far. You see, very dangerous times. It's not to say like, how dare they, how dare they, how dare they, but to the pastors, to the elders, to the leadership, to the overseers, especially to the pastors. Me personally, I definitely say, how dare you to the pastors? Because they need to be taught. God's people need to be taught so that they can learn, they can walk their walks with the Lord and grow and mature in Him. And so now let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. I know I said, you know, we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 11, but now let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. So, you have to be honest with yourself. Remember, at any time listening to this message, at any time, if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, just hit pause. Just hit pause and get your heart right with the Lord. You see, make sure your heart is right before the Lord before partaking of the communion elements. And you might have to repent. You might, whatever it takes. You know, if it's repentance before the Lord, repent. If, if, if you have issues with a brother or sister, hey, fix those issues. Don't have any issues with them. Okay, now we also have to make this distinction of leaven, 
leaven and uh, non-leaven because a little leaven leavens the bunch. Now, you see the beauty of separation as evidence in our studies through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. How many times exhaustively have we said, you know, the beauty of this separation, consecration unto the Lord. You see? A lot of times what happens is that, you know, we play games with the Lord be through immaturity. We play games with the Lord. We play games with sin. We just figure, oh, yeah, God, God will forgive me. No big deal. I'm going to do this sex. I'm going to take this crack. I'm going to drink this whiskey. I'm going to do this strip club. I'm going to do cheat on my taxes. I'm going to do the occult. I'm going to do these Ouija boards. I'm going to do all these things. Hey, no big deal. No big deal. No, God is a jealous God. He wants all of you. He wants all of me and we serve him and all those things that are contrary to the word of God, contrary to our faith. We are the ones we do away with them. No, no more crack, no more sex, no more alcohol. I mean, marriage, fine. But, you know, strippers, prostitutes, hookers. No, don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. So when I say like, get your heart right, the Lord, it might be like, you know, repenting for little things. It might be repenting for big, humongous things. Now, sin, so many times people say, well, the, the, I, I just said this little white lie, so it's no big deal. No, a sin, sin is sin. Sin is sin, straight up. So when I say like the big things, I mean, you, you, if you have this idea, well, I don't need to repent because it's just this little thing. No, get that out of your head. Get that out of your head. Oh, the, you're being too you're being too legalist no it's not legalist at all it's not legalism at all i've i've had people tell me that why why do i have to repent for these little things number one it's not a little thing because when we repent for these i'm doing my air quotes here these so-called little things you know what happens in our heart it keeps us our hearts our hearts remain nice and soft nice and soft easily moldable for the potter Capital P. Easily moldable for the potter. The Lord. You see? You say, I, 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 I said a little white lie yesterday. Okay, repent for that. Repent. It's not right. It's not clean before the Lord. Remember, Old Testament, our studies through the Old Testament, Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, nothing mangy. Well, why, why am I going to be mangy before the Lord with a little white lie? So I'm doing my air quotes, little white lie. Why am I... Why am I going to be mangy? Why do I want to, why, why do I want to present something mangy before the Lord? No. I want I want to be right with him. I want you to be right with him. So whatever whatever manginess it is, you give it to the Lord. Whether the yuck and filth repent. Lord, I repent. Take this take this. Uh, you know, I don't want this the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the this, the that, the pornography, the crack, you know, the tax cheat, the occult, the Ouija boards, the all these things. I don't want nothing of that, Lord. All I want is you. You see? And we get our hearts right with the Lord. As an ecclesia, as a church body, individual saints, yes. But also as one, the ecclesia, koinonia. And it's so beautiful. And so now we see this church in 1 Corinthians 11, it's different. It's not the 1 Corinthians 3 church because 1 Corinthians 5 has already happened, the separation. The separation, the leaven is gone. The leaven has been dealt with. And so look what Paul says here in verse 23, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. He says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We seem to forget sometimes that our Lord's body was broken. Our Lord's body was broken. One of the verses that, one of the chapters that I, I don't hate to read it. I hate it, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it because it's the word. But I hate it because of what happens in Isaiah 53. Let's turn really quick to Isaiah 53, the prophecy of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, open up to Isaiah chapter 53. And so in Isaiah 53, we read in verse 1, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Remember the prophecies about the root of Jesse? And we see here, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. Nothing fancy. Not, I mean, no disrespect to the Lord, but he's not, you know, it's not like, you know, uh, particularly handsome, you know, not like, you know, in accordance with the ways of Adam. He's not particularly a handsome fellow, but. With eyes of faith, nothing more beautiful. Nothing more beautiful. No, no form or comeliness. Nothing, no stately or you know, nothing comeliness, splendor. Nothing stately or splendorous about him. Now this is with carnal eyes, but with eyes of faith, nothing more beautiful. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. See not. Not like no fashion model, none of this. Just, just a guy. I don't mean to say just a guy in reference to our Lord, but nothing, no, 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 nothing stately, no form or comeliness. There is no beauty that we should desire him, but with eyes of faith, nothing more beautiful, nothing more desirable than the bridegroom. You see, he's despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. You see, my sin, your sin. I don't like reading about Jesus Christ being wounded. I love him so much. I am so, so, so in love with him. Fully acknowledging myself as a bride, as a bride-to-be. And I'm male. You see, remember in Christ, there's no male, female. I'm not speaking in the ways of Adam. I speak in the ways of Christ in accordance to the Spirit. So desirable. I'm so in love with Jesus Christ, and yet it pains me to read this. His wounding, he was bruised for our iniquities, and then I reflect on my sin. That's why he's wounded. What about your sin? When you reflect on your sin, and that's why he's wounded. Our bridegroom. That's why he's bruised. 
because of my iniquity and your iniquity, my transgression and your transgression. You see, where is there boasting? What room is there for boasting? What room is there for boasting? No, our boast is in Christ. You see, when we partake of communion and, you know, reflect on his words in the upper room, this is my body which was broken for you. Remember, his body was broken because of you and me. That's why. Because of you and me. The chastisement for our peace, it says in verse 5, the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed you see all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way his own way there is a way that seems right to a man the bible teaches but its end is destruction but then Love came down in the form of a child and he grew up and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, do you have ears to hear, my friend? Do you have eyes to see his beauty, his splendor? You see, we have turned everyone to his own way. Which is why in obedience to the word of God and in obedience to the spirit and the leading and the guiding of the spirit of the Lord, we cry out to him. We praise him. We worship him. We glorify him. We honor him. And the Lord, he says in verse 6, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I don't care about your sin. I care about your soul. If you're listening, you're not a believer and you still haven't hit pause and you still haven't repented to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen to me. I don't care about your sin. I do not care about your sin. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, prostitute, drug dealer, druggie, I don't care. But I care about your soul. You come to Christ you say, oh, I got to clean up my life first. I don't care about that either. Let the Lord, you commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you yield to him. And you let him clean up your heart, clean up your mind, clean up your life in yielding to him. You let him do that. And I tell you from experience, he will. He will. I don't care about whatever sin. Now, if you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ, you hit pause and you listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And then you come back and you listen and you partake of the elements. As a freshly born Hagios, a saint, born again, born into Adam, yes, but your belief and faith in Jesus Christ, you're born again and born into Christ. You see? The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see? He was oppressed in verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Remember, he was silent before his accusers. 
He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. See his humility? You see? King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet, silent. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they have made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his at his death, because he had done no violence. You see how his innocence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. In verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Translate says, it pleased the Lord to destroy, crumble, and crush him. Wow. Why? How could it be pleasing to the Lord? to crush, to crumble and destroy and bruise his only begotten son. How? What is impossible with God? Because on the third day, he rose again. And in his death of his only begotten son, he purchased you and me with his blood. Remember, life for life. Blood, life is in the blood. Life for life, all in accordance to the law. You see? And so when we, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we read what Paul says here in verse 24. Referencing the upper room when he says, take red letters in my Bible. I don't know if you have red letters in your Bible, but he says, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And you realize, wow, you know, we, we gloss over this broken for you. Okay. And sometimes we gloss over it without remembering the depth of what that means. Remember, he was bruised for my iniquity and your iniquity because of our iniquity and our transgression. Our sin. That's why he was bruised. My body which is broken for you. And then he says this. Do this in remembrance of me. He says in the same manner. He also took the cup after supper. Saying this cup is the new covenant. We're studying the old covenant. And through the old testament on Wednesdays. We study the old testament on Wednesdays. New testament on Sundays. And yet we reference here the old covenant and fully acknowledging the old covenant but fully resting in the new covenant and the new covenant is in his blood this cup is the new covenant in my blood and what does the bible tell us is in the blood life you see death i deserve death people sometimes i talk with non-believers Oh, you Christians, you think I should be stoned? You think I should be this? You think I should be this? And I should die for this? It's like, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. I should be dead. I should be stoned. I should be hung on the cross. You see? Because of the wages of sin is death. And the sin in my life, I deserve death. I was deserving of death. But God, who is rich in grace and mercy, 
gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believes, whosoever believes, you know who that whosoever is? You. Whosoever believes. And the Lord says this, do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We partake of the communion as a church fellowship once a month. First Sunday of every month. First Sunday of every month. And as often as we do it, what we're doing is we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And he will come again. As surely as the Lord lives, he will come again. Every jot, every tittle of the word of God will, will be fulfilled and will come to pass. In verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's heavy. That's heavy. But let a man examine himself. And that's what we do on communion Sundays. We examine ourselves. I examine me. You examine you, you see. And we study the word of God, you know, Wednesdays, Sundays. Sometimes we have, you know, uh, some extra studies. But we study the word of God. Yes, as the Bible says, to show ourselves approved. Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, as we grow and as we mature, we're going to discover, wow, Lord, I was wrong about whatever it is. I was wrong about this. I was wrong about that. I had these preconceived notions about this and that. And I was wrong, Lord. And we are the ones who yield to him, not the other way around. We don't shape the word to fit our agenda. We don't shape the word of God to fit our lifestyles. No, it's our lifestyles which are in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the other way around. We submit to him. We yield to him. You see, babies don't do that. How can they? They're babies. How many times do you hear us say how dangerous it is to be a baby? What's the remedy? Don't be a baby. Let's grow. Let's move on to perfection. You see, let us lay aside those things which so easily ensnare us. And let's move on to perfection. Let's run our race. You see, let's move on to maturity. Just like a child goes to Preschool, kindergarten, first grade, second, third, fourth, on up through higher education. The exact same thing we do in the word of God. Learning, growing, matriculating. Just as we see, if you take 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and lay them side by side, each page side by side from left to right now, left to right like a timeline. That's, that's, that's how we see the Corinthian letters here. You see the their very growth process. You see? And so, I, I don't want to partake of the elements in an unworthy manner. And I don't want you to partake of the elements in an unworthy manner. Because as is written here in verse 27, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And that's what we do. We examine ourselves. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, I can't stress it enough. If you have to hit pause, and I'll say this again, become a believer, you do just that. But if you're a believer and you've sidestepped a little bit, instead of being in the middle of the narrow path, you're uh, 
two steps to the left or you're five steps to the left, you hit pause as well and you repent and you repent and let the Lord bring you five steps, five steps back to the right in yielding to him. And you're right smack dab in the middle of that narrow path again. And so we continue our journey. Not we're in the world, but we're not of the world. You see, this is the manner by which the saint drinks the bread and eats the cup. It's holy. It's holy. Very holy. And it's a matter of the heart. In verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. You see, these are things that we remember. Wow, you know, he he was bruised because of my iniquity, because of your iniquity. Why? Why would we individually, why would we permit our iniquity to continue to bruise him? Why? I've been been given the, the argument before, like, oh, that you sound like you're works-based, you're works-based, you're works-based. No, I'm obedience-based. Obedience-based. Oh, you're such a legalist. You call it what you want. It's not legalism. This is the choice that I've made for myself. This is the choice that I've made. You have a choice to make too. But in light of what we read here, in light of what we read in, 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 in Isaiah 53, I don't, I don't want to not discern the Lord's body. And I don't want you to not discern the Lord's body. But understand what disobedience does. Understand what sin does. That's the deceitfulness of sin. And in the deceitfulness of sin, as we read, turn with me really quick to Hebrews chapter 3. I read it all the time, and I'm going to keep on reading it all the time. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see, it's deceitful. That's what Satan wants. He wants you and me to sidestep left. Yeah, we're in the middle of the narrow path, but he has his seducers on every side. And he wants you and me to sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, and keep sidestepping left and see how far we get away from the middle of the narrow path. And we're going to get right on the edge of that narrow path. And then we're going to fall right off because we've been heeding the seducer. That's what Satan wants. You say, wait a second. Wait a second. How can that be? Well, it's the hardening of the heart. It's the deceitfulness of sin, as is written here in verse 13. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see? But when we take the little sidestep left, sidestep left, and we repent before the Lord, and the Lord brings us Two steps back to the right, we're right smack dab in the middle, number one, which is beautiful. But then number two, our hearts are nice and soft in the hands of the potter, capital P. Nice and soft for his shaping. Nice and soft for his molding. You see? A people of the circumcision. 
Christianity, your faith in Jesus Christ. I say this to my beautiful sisters in Christ. Your faith in Jesus Christ is the only way a female can be circumcised. You see, you're my sister in Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ. You're abiding in Jesus Christ. Praise be to the Lord. You're of the circumcision. Not of the flesh, but of the spirit. Your heart is nice and beautifully soft in the hands of the potter. Capital P. You see? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 11. What happens when a soul doesn't discern the Lord's body, when a soul eats and drinks judgment to himself? Verse 30, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, or many have died. That's what happens. That's what happens. You see a lot of weakness in the church today, a lot of sickness in the church today. I wonder if it's because a large majority are not discerning the Lord's body. I wonder. If you have babies in churches who are not discerning the Lord's body. And, you know, I could say like, hey, babies, cut it out. But I would love to have a conversation with the pastors. I would love to have a conversation with the pastors. No, no sheep, no lambs. I'd like to go to the shepherds, open a door, shepherd, come on in, close the door and say, who do you think you are? Who in the world do you think you are when God's sheep are unprepared and ill-equipped for the times at hand? And who do you think you are? You like babies to stay babies? Babies are beautiful. But do you like babies to stay babies? Do you see, when we have this deeper understanding, especially now that we have this depth of the Corinthian church, the Corinthian scenarios that were presented in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, now that we have this depth, do you see the danger behind being a baby? Yes, it's beautiful. If you're Now, if you've repented for the first time and you're a brand new Christian, praise be to the Lord. You're a baby. You're a baby believer. But five months from now, you don't have to be a baby anymore. A year from now, you don't have to be a baby anymore. Three years from now, Five years from now, you don't have to be a baby anymore. But you know what? The ball's in your court. The ball's in your court. Do you want to make the mistakes of the 1 Corinthians 3 type? I don't want you to. I do not want you to. I can teach. I can teach. I can teach. I can pour. I can pour. I can pour. But once that wine enters your vessel, you have a choice to make. You see, and I pray that you respond in obedience unto the Lord in accordance with his word and his spirit, which is what? Number one, to present your body a living sacrifice unto him. And then let him clean house in your life, in your mind, in your heart. Yield to him and let him clean house. Whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ comes knocking at your door. You know, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear, I will come in and sup with you. You open the door, he sits in your couch, sits on your couch. He gets up and says, what's in that closet over there? And goes to open it. You say, no, 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 no. Don't go in there. You can go in this room. I clean the cabinets. Go ahead and open that, look, the cabinets. But don't you dare go in the closet because that's where I have my secret stuff. That's not yielding to him, my friend. That's not yielding to him. 
Because when you yield to him, if you acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, capital L, not lowercase l, capital L, he's Lord of all, Lord of everything. Lord, this closet is nasty, but it's all yours. This room, it's disgusting, but it's all yours. You see? And he'll clean it. He's not going to say, like, open the door and say, whoa, how dare you? He knows already. He knows already. But will you acknowledge sin, things of the carnal nature? Will you acknowledge those things before him? Before the Lord. Lord, this is nasty. Here, Lord, take it. I don't want it. Here, Lord, this is disgusting. Take it, Lord. The sex, the drugs, the pornography, the alcohol, the this, the that, the occult, the Ouija boards, the all these things. I don't want it, Lord. Take it. You see? And when we do those things, I'm not saying, you know, you do this, you do this, you do this. Hey, we're in the same boat. We do this. We do this. When that happens, number one, Satan doesn't want that to happen. He's afraid of that happening. He is Satan. The demons, they're afraid of that happening, which is why he likes babies to stay babies because babies aren't a threat to him. But once that happens, the works of the flesh, Lord, this closet is nasty. Satan likes it when we say, don't open that closet. Don't go down that hallway, Lord. Don't open that door, Lord. But if we do that, how can we call him Lord when he's not Lord of all? You see? We can call him Lord, lowercase l. But how can we call him Lord, capital L? How can we call him Lord and King of our hearts, King of our lives? When we refuse to submit to his Lordship. So you submit to his Lordship. We, you and me, we submit to his lordship, humbly humbly, bowing our hearts before him. Satan is afraid of that happening. Because now we're saying, Lord, whatever's in the closet, you take it. Whatever's down this hallway, you, it's yours. It's yours. And then the Lord starts to build. He starts to build. Remember, he was a carpenter. He does beautiful work. I tell you from experience, I tell you from the things I've seen, I tell you what I've seen in the lives of other people, he does beautiful work. But you need to sub submit and yield yourself to him and acknowledgement of his lordship. And that requires repentance. You see, that requires repentance. Your heart to be Nice and soft, right smack dab in the middle of the narrow path. You see? Now you see why I want to go in those, have those closed door conversations with pastors. Satan likes babies. Pastors, do you like babies too? And if so, why is it that you like babies to stay babies? Why is it that these saints aren't moving on to perfection. Why is it that these saints aren't advancing in knowledge of the scriptures? Why is that happening? Now, it could be because of them. That could very well be. But is it because you refuse to teach? Is it because you like babies? That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Who do you think you are, pastor? You see? 
We are people of the way. Saints, I don't care where you live. I teach from America. You might be in China. You might be in Russia. You might be in Egypt, in Saudi Arabia, in Israel. You might be in uh, Great Britain. You might be in wherever. I don't care. I mean, I care, but you're listening in locale. I hope to see you one day. I hope to meet you one day and give you a big, fat hug. That's the desire of my heart. But I might do it in our glorified bodies. The Lord might, he might allow me to do it in this life. But if it's in the life to come, praise be to his name. A people of the way isn't like a church proper. It's the remnant. It's the remnant. He says here in verse 30, For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged, he says. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. You see, even in this judgment, we, the Lord is still showing us his mercy. Even in this condemnation, just like Paul says, remember, the guy who was doing the egregious sexual sin? He says, commit this soul to Satan for the destruction of the flesh because it might be that his soul will be saved in the day of the Lord. You see? Mercy, grace, and love, but also wisdom. Wisdom. If you're not a believer, cut it out. Be a believer. If you're lukewarm, playing games with the Lord, cut it out. Recommit your life to Jesus Christ. And this is the manner in which we partake of the communion. So, let's partake of communion. In verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. To the beautiful people of the way, God bless you. I love you.